Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. (laughs) This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. Appreciate you streaming in with us here on the early AM. It's not Mac and Mac. It's Mac and Mark today. Johnny Mac already making his way over to South Philly for the Eagles joint practice against Colts. That means I get to hang with Mark Farzetta. Mr. Philly's here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel doing the uh, post game live last night after a good Phillies win, as a matter of fact. I was on the radio uh, after the Phillies win last night till two o'clock in the morning. Uh, but yeah, we'll give the Phillies their props and we'll move on to the reason we're here, which is Birds 365, a.k.a. the hometown football team. And Mark, neither you and I are going to see it because we're here on the air. But the Eagles are going to put out their star player, their starters and their stars today for the last time before that uh, Sunday up in New England when they're going to honor that Brady guy, when the games actually start to count. This is the last chance for the Stars to get out there, stretch their legs, show a little something-something before the season actually gets underway. Yeah, it's going to be the last time they're going to face uh, live action that's not their teammates uh, ahead of that pre. Uh, excuse me, ahead of that uh, regular season opener. So look forward to seeing what the reports are at a camp. And as we all know, you can win a practice nowadays, Jody. So hopefully they win the practice today against Shane Steichen's Indianapolis Colts. By the way, McMullen hates that, but I, I will <laughs> absolutely it'll be the first question I ask him when he gets back here tomorrow. Did they win? Did they win? Did they yeah. win? 
Yeah, we decide. There's no scoreboard, uh, but you can decide whether a team wins or loses. And yeah, we all want to see the Eagles win. Uh, one thing I do want to see is Brian Johnson, defensive, and I know uh, offense quarter. I know that again, no scoreboard, uh, but is he looking to show off a little bit today? Not for Mark Barzetta, Jody McDonald, John McMahon, or anybody else, but for that Sirianni guy. Because standing on the other sideline, it's going to be Shane Steichen, the very successful play caller for the Eagles team that went to the Super Bowl last year. Brian Johnson gets the job, and his uh, predecessor will be on the other side of the field. You think he's reaching a little deeper into the bag of tricks uh, for this one particular practice? I, I, I am curious about this, and I, I, I always tell people it's not that different from what you do every day. Like if somebody came into your workplace and you took the job of that person, you kind of want to show them like, oh, hey, this is how you might have wanted to try things. Now, things were great. Those were you know, the great offense last year, made it to the Super Bowl, won the NFC. But I'm curious if there was any play design or anything that maybe Brian Johnson suggested during game planning sessions with all with all the coaches, including Nick Sirianni and Shane saying, hey, maybe you didn't think this play would work. Well, I got it working now. It looks pretty good. Look how efficient I have this team running. I'm doing just fine and dandy. Now, I'm sure it's a friendly competition. I'm sure there's no bad blood or anything like that. But anytime somebody's watching you do the job that they once did, you'll want to show them that you have a good handle on things. So I think that'll be a little a little tiny bit of extra added motivation. And, of course, look good in front of uh, Nick Sirianni there as well with your uh, successor, excuse me, your predecessor there next to you also. And, oh, by the way, uh, I think you got a little something, something extra from the players too because they're, they're trying to help out their new coach. But it's also good to show off in front of your old coach. Really? You left us? You see what we got here? You were here. You were called it late. And you want to go take over that team? You're really sure you made that right decision, Shane? So I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, offensive stars went a little extra to try and uh, make the Eagle offense look good. And it is one of my big questions uh, this year. And uh, John and I have discussed it plenty. And I think you and I might have as well, Mark, when you've done the fill-in thing. I, I like Brian Johnson as a guy. I think he's done a nice job of expressing himself and uh, in the very limited amount of information that he gives out, that's an eagle priority. If you're a coach, you say nothing. You're supposed to be Sergeant Saltz. I see nothing. I say nothing. Um, he's a little bit more giving than Sean Desai's when it comes to information. But I'll be truthful with you. I know nothing about what a coach is going to call when the season gets underway. We can't judge these uh, stupid preseason games. The joint practices, I can pick uh, McMullen's brain when he comes back. But, you know, even at that, they're keeping things somewhat under wraps. Vanilla is a word that he's used himself when he's described what they're doing. in these. We got no idea what their offense is going to look like, do we? Uh, outside of Jalen Hurts, hopefully looking phenomenal again, and AJ Brown and Devontae Smith having thousand plus yard seasons again, that'd be nice. But other than that, not really. I mean, I, I'll put it to you like this all the time we say this with the defense, we say that there's a way that Nick Sirianni likes his defense to operate. Jonathan Gannon followed suit with that. Sean Desai will most likely follow suit with that. It'll have his own fingerprints. But what's 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 to say that Nick Sirianni doesn't have the same type of parameters when it comes to his offense? This is what I like to do offensively. Here's the game plan I like to have each and every week. Here's a couple constants. This is what I think is our bread and butter. Our bre bread and butter. Brian Johnson, all right, have at it. Here's the parameters. Run it like that. 
I think it's going to be very similar to what you saw last year with Shane Steichen. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that if you were looking at maybe any other football team, or maybe one that doesn't have the same returning starters and then have the same uh, more or less type of system that you're going to have with Jalen Hurts and all of his, his core pieces. If you're looking at any other team, you would say, okay, well, there's no way with a new offensive coordinator they can repl replicate the same type of success. There's going to be changes. There's going to be trial and error. There's going to be more error than most people like. But Brian Johnson was here last year. He was under Shane Steichen. He was obviously under Nick Sirianni. He's got the same quarterback, the same two receivers. The only new guy, even in the receiving core, is Olatome uh, 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 Zacchaeus. And uh, you have the same tight end. You have some different running backs. How are you going to use your running backs? That's probably going to be the biggest difference from last year to this year, from Shane Steichen to this year, is whether or not you're going to see Jalen Hurts throw at those running backs to get close to the same type of offensive success that you had last year. But you're right. I don't know that much about Brian Johnson, but I do know the tools he has at his disposal. So I think if you take away from what you saw last year and how high-flying and how great this offense was, I think they're going to be very close to that same bar and maybe even uh, go past it considering the stable of running backs they have compared to what they had last year. Major disrespect to not mention Zach Pascal as a key component of the Eagles. <laughs> the coach liked him, head coach liked him a lot because he got out there and blocked well at the wide receiver position. But your point is well taken. Same show. Yeah. A lot of the same stars and actors. The biggest difference is, as you correctly point out, the running back position. And let's go there now. Because I want to just get all our streamers and all the Eagle fans who are uh, listening in line. In the last 24 hours, stories developed in the NFL. And sure enough, it's about a team that's going to be in South Philadelphia today. That would be the Indianapolis Colts. Um, word leaked out that the Colts had given Jonathan Taylor and his agent permission to seek a trade in the National Football League. Uh, and of course... Anytime a big name player is in the news, becomes available, permission to get to all the Eagle fans come out. We got to get him. We can get him. Why can't we have him? He's one of the best running backs in the National Football League. Why wouldn't you out and get him? Add him to our running back room. Most of what I just said there is true. He is one of the best running backs in the National Football League. Didn't have as good a season, was hurt last year. Year before, he was the best running back in the National Football League. So you want to go back? Two years, three years, four years, back to 2000, where he is absolutely a top five running back and he's available. There are two chances that the Eagles are going to acquire uh, Mr. Taylor. Slim and none. Oh, wait, Slim just left town. So we're left with none. There is no chance the Philadelphia Eagles are getting uh, Taylor, not because he's not good. And I've heard some people say we won't take them oh, because they're a uh, now they're a rotational back team. Last year, Miles Sanders got 70 per 70. That's a big number. 70 percent of the carries for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we're only months away from when the Eagles were a bell cow offense. They could turn back into it very easily. There's only one reason not coming here, Farsi. M-O-N-E-Y. If he's going to get traded, the team is going to want to make him happy and going to want to give him a contract extension. And it's going to be in excess of the numbers that Barkley signed for and Jacobs is holding out for. It's going to be north of uh, over $10 million. Howie Roseman going to pay running back $10 million? For no, 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 that's not going to happen. No nah. chance. No, no he's not going to pay. 
He's not going to pay the running back, and he's also not going to pay the ask of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I do find it interesting that uh, Roseman and Bollard will be in the same room today, most likely, if Bollard's in town. I don't even know if he's in town uh, with his Colts. I would imagine if you're having a joint practice, you would be here. Uh, So I find it interesting that those two will be – at least have the opportunity to convince. And here's what I'll say. Now, if you ask me, is uh, Jonathan Taylor going to be a Philadelphia Eagle? No, is the answer to that question. However, Howie Roseman kicks the tires on everything. When it comes down to it, yes, money, not going to happen. Trade assets, when it comes to draft picks, certainly not going to happen. You know, they want similar. I saw the report came out when it came to uh, the Colts front office. They're similar to Daryl Morey. We want to trade our player for someone that's going to help us win now or someone that will help us win or an asset that will help us win in the not-too-distant future. That's, I think, way too high an asking price, even for Jonathan Taylor around the NFL. You can't consistently have the storyline of the NFL that running backs are diminishing in value left and right and then all of a sudden say, but give us a first-round pick for it. Everybody understands what's going on right now in the NFL when it comes to the running back position. And Jonathan Taylor might not, probably doesn't have that many good years left anyway in the NFL at a high level. And I think that's how the Eagles look at it. That's how most teams will look at it. If you tell me Jonathan Taylor's on the Eagles this season, I'm excited about it, but it's not happening. So I agree with you. Uh, I, I will still give the very slim chance that it happens as opposed to it's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. I'm going to go uh, 0.0. Uh, I would no bet chance. that. Okay. I would bet that. But I'll, I'll disagree with you a little bit in that I think the Colts are going to get a one. I really do. If he gets dealt at all, there's mm-hmm. there's a pretty damn good chance he goes nowhere. That there just isn't any team that's willing to pony up a one. But I think there's a better chance that uh, a team does pay the part. Now, remember, McCaffrey was traded in season last year. So we're less than a year removed from it for a two, a three, a four, and a five. Is that the equivalent of a one, four picks? Now, not a one, but a two. Does right. a three, four, five equate to the jump up from a two to a one? And McCaffrey was an older back. Mm-hmm. Taylor Stone's rookie deal. McCaffrey had already signed his contract extension with Carolina when he got dealt. So you knew what the cost was going to be contract-wise when you acquired him. I think they may get the price. And if Howie's not even, what's Howie going to say? I'll give you a five and a six. Come on, Ballard's <laughs> going to laugh at him. So you have to have a realistic conversation. No, it's the money. And not even the money this year, because how he can do some of his cap uh, calisthenics and move guys around, extend sure. guys and dead cap years down the road. If he if he really, really wanted to play, he can make it happen for this year's salary cap. But then at some point, the, the check comes due, and you got to pay it. And I don't think he wants dead cap money that he's taking a hit for two years from now, three years, whatever it is for a running back. He's not going to do that. They just, they basically refused to play. They didn't even get into the Miles Sanders bidding because they knew, listen, we're not going to pay this. We're going to acquire a guy on the last year of his rookie contract, DeAndre Swift. We're going to take a guy who's blatantly undervalued because he's always hurt, Rashad Penny. That's what we're going to spend on as far as running back money goes. They're not going to bring in a over $10 million guy. No chance, no shot. Mm-hmm. I think uh, everyone's seen the graphic by now. You got everyone in your backfield for the price of Miles Sanders in Carolina. Yep. Like you literally got four running backs all under the same price, uh, less than what Miles Sanders is getting in Carolina. So that just goes to show you, A, of course, again, the 
nature of the business when it comes to the evolution of the business when it comes to the running back position. And then it also shows you what Howie Roseman is willing to spend. I mean, you look at the linebacker position with the Eagles, you could say no one, they had never valued that. We'll see what Nicobe Bring brings to the table this year. We've talked about that before. But right after that is running back. They do not value the running back position. Everything is gravy with them. Everything was like house money with them. Low money, not, not extremely high draft picks, not spending number ones, not spending top 10 picks this year, not trading up to get a guy um, like B. John Robinson, for instance. So they don't really value that position. So I don't see them valuing it all of a sudden with Jonathan Taylor. I don't see him valuing it with, uh, with um, uh, a first-round pick, certainly. But one thing I will say, as far as a Christian McCaffrey type of uh, deal goes and the amount of picks they were able to get – McCaffrey, older back, certainly. Uh, I think it was Debo Samuel, his teammate out there in San Francisco, that talked about how this is a uh, he's a wide back. That's the position he plays, the wide back. Well, he's a back wide, I guess. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is. He he catches more balls. He catches more balls than any running back. He could be a wide receiver. He could be in the slot, so they can get other value for him other than just running back. So that's why I didn't see that as far-fetched as some people thought it was when they made the deal yeah and then you're right maybe it's not complete comfort but one of the top but three, i understand four absolutely he's one of the top absolutely. three four backs in the league so I, and i do believe that taylor falls into that category so uh, the Colts aren't going to give him away um who said it last night i gotta try and remember who it was uh i want to give him credit but i can't off the top of my head um they they conjectured this is all just an exercise to teach Jonathan Taylor a lesson by the Colts that they're giving him the right to go out and seek a trade. And they're going to find out that there isn't, if there's one or two teams, maybe in the whole league who go, Oh yeah, by the way, we'll pay the Colts what they want to get you. And yes, we'll extend you. We'll give you that almost to uh, the $15 million per year. Not only are the Eagles not doing it, there might not be another team in the National Football League that says, yeah, we'll pay the price both times in the acquisition cost to get you and make you one of the highest paid running backs. This is a league-wide ep- epidemic, Farzi. Nobody is paying it. They're, they're actually uh, behind closed doors, whispers. This is great. We don't even have to pay for running backs anymore. If the general managers all got together and smoked cigars in a room where nobody could listen, they'd all be high-fiving each other. Hey, we've done a great job at bringing the cost of running backs down. He's screwed. Jonathan Taylor is not going to get paid. Everybody wants McCaffrey's deal, and nobody's getting McCaffrey's deal going forward. Collusion. Collusion galore. It's exactly I, what I, it is. I, I but they'll, they'll never be able to prove it. Yeah, they can try, but they'll never be able to prove it. All we're right, one gonna, more. Yeah, one we're more not going to pay them running back. See? Exactly. Uh, one more thing before we get to our first break, bring up our first guest. Mike Tanya is going to join us writing for a new website. Uh, great football guy guest we've had on before. Um, but let me ask you this. And Johnny Mac uses this phrase. A lot of guys do. I just hear it all the time from him. With the ones. And you know what that means when they say that they're starters in uh, either preseason games or these dual practices and the like. If you're running with the ones, we know what that uh, designates. In the joint practice they're going to have today against the Colts, I'm pretty sure last uh, week against the Browns, uh, guys who either ran with the ones or ran with the twos were the only ones who played. They didn't get down to the 60 through 90 guys on the roster who probably aren't going to be here, or even the guys who are fighting for those last five, six, seven, eight roster spots. So it's basically the starters and the backups who are going to play 
in this practice if they do the same thing they did last week against the Browns. Tanner McKee going to get any snaps today? I, I think he is. Uh, I mean, I think they want to – I think the Eagles are at least curious, at least curious, and they want to see as much of him as possible to really evaluate whether, whether or not he can be the backup quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe not week one, maybe not week two, but maybe as the season goes on because Marcus Mariota has shown you nothing. And I understand he's a veteran player, but – Tanner McKee might be a better NFL quarterback right now than Marcus Mariota is a better NFL quarterback. Here's the deal. We've seen plenty of evidence of Marcus Mariota not being very good at his job. Tanner McKee, he might. Uh, just the fact that he's not as experienced doesn't mean that he's not as good. The Eagles need a good backup quarterback. And I was I was happy that they went out and got Marcus Mariota, a guy that could at least be a similar style to Jalen Hurts, mm -hmm. keep those running lanes open for the running backs that closed off when Gardner Minshew was in there. But maybe the Minshew route is the way to go as far as a backup. Not a guy that's going to go out there and run for a lot of yards, obviously, but a guy that will go out there and just make a play for you. Maybe Tanner McKee is that guy. So I think the Eagles are going to want to see as much of him as humanly possible. Maybe, and they're going to certainly see him play. I think the guy that is absolutely on the outs is Ian Book. But what you could see from a guy like Tanner McKee today, what you could see for him on Thursday, might help the Eagles make the ultimate decision as to whether or not he could be the backup for this team this year. Yeah, Ian Book, get ready to play on Thursday in the preseason game, which is <laughs> less important than the dual practices. He's going to get a whole lot of snaps there and make it good because you're auditioning for the other 31 teams in the National Football League. Sure. We don't think you're going to be here in Philadelphia. If you are, it's going to be on the practice squad, which you'd rather be on a roster. So uh, when you're out there, Ian, light it up. Go ahead. Uh, Brian Johnson will be calling in all these fancy plays to show off in, in that venue as well. Yeah, really interesting, Mark. By rights and means, he shouldn't play uh, today. And I'm talking about Tanner McKee. It should be the ones and the twos. Jalen Hurts is going to get the majority of the snaps because you want to get him some action. Wait a minute. Has he played in any of the pre? No, that's right. He hasn't played at all in the preseason. Not playing on Thursday night. So, yeah, Jalen's going to do most of the rep getting. But then do you actually get McKee? And if you do, you know it's going to get tongues wagging in this town because they are still open to evaluating the backup quarterback position. Yeah. You shouldn't uh, be doing it at this stage. It should be your one and your two are set. And you, the, the battle is for the third between Book and uh, Tanner McKee. And I think we're legitimately talking about who is the number two quarterback of this team. Uh, look, if Nick Sirianni wants to shout competition – from the rooftops competition one of our core values we really like competition competition is the greatest thing we love competition oh yeah if he wants to shout that then how can you tell me that marcus Mariota is winning a backup quarterback competition with tanner McGee? how could you how can you sell me on that with a straight face and jody did you hear did you hear nick sirianni after the the, the browns game there where he talked about how they have to learn you know, Marcus Mariota is struggling. What's going on there? Yeah, you know, we got to learn Marcus Mariota. We got to learn what he's good at. We got to we got to learn what he's good at. And then he gets asked about Tanner McKee. And he's like, well, yeah, well, we did our homework on Tanner McKee. We know what's going on. How do you know more about Tanner McKee uh, and not know as much about Marcus Mariota, who's played, what, 90 games in the NFL? Right. That was like grasping at straws to find a compliment for a guy who is struggling here in Philadelphia. If you Look, bottom line is if there's not a competition, there better damn well be by the time camp closes out between Marcus Mariota and Tanner McKee as the backup quarterback. And hopefully, again, 
they'll never have to use him anyway this season because Jalen Hurts will stay healthy for all 17 games. And, oh, by the way, that's only today. This is it. Live last chance. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, if Tanner McKee once again looks good against the Colts third and fourth teamers in the second half, all right, we get excited. We throw a parade. We we, <laughs> we got to keep it in its proper perspective. He's got to play today a little bit in that game against the Colts. Otherwise, people are just going to go, all right, uh, it's it's Mariota. We, we're going to sink or swim, and we're probably going to sink, but it's going to be Mariota. Be very interesting how the reps go down in uh, South Philly today. All right, uh, we're going to break is what we're going to do. And then we'll come back with our first uh, guest of the day. Mike Tanya has been on with us plenty of times before. Great football insight guy. Got a new home for his writing skills. We'll give you the details on that. Mike Tanya next here on Birds 365. Go passionately, go fearlessly, go confidently. Go first! Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. You got Mac and Mark today here on Birds 365. Farzetta in for Johnny Mac. 
And we're lucky enough to get Mike Tanyu to join us as our first guest today. Uh, Mike, longtime writer, Football Outsiders. Now writing these days for a new website, The Messenger. I got to be honest with you, Mike. I had not been to The Messenger until I saw on Twitter that you were writing. For, oh, I'm going to have to go check out The Messenger. Give us the deal on the new website. You have to go to The Messenger because it is not just a sports or football site. It is a full-service news outlet, news, business, entertainment, uh, politics, etc., and sports. We launched the sports section officially next week. We're kind of in beta mode, but it is absolutely free. You can sign up for their newsletter and check it out. It's your one source for all the news you need. Going to be interested in uh, doing that. Sometimes that's tough to find. A uh, Would you suggest... I'm going to get him in trouble. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh, would you suggest it's a middle of the road since you ventured down the political road, a middle of the road uh, news website? That is the goal. That is the stated goal of the people in charge of that section. Middle of the road. Try and give you the least varnished, least biased version of that. We'll see. You know, no one thinks anything's middle of the road, but uh, that's what the plan is there. Hey, in the sports section, it is nothing but hot takes all the time, though. Good on you for that. All right. Uh, here's how I want to start today, Mike, with the first question that you can take in whatever direction you need to. Will Jonathan Taylor be traded before the season? Assuming the team is willing to both match the price that the Colts are going to ask for him and make him a happy guy with a contract extension. Is there no, any team no, in the NFL that will pull that trigger? No, 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 no. There are going to be a lot of teams calling the Colts with low ball offers and saying, hey, Jonathan, either come here and prove it on the final year of your contract or we'll give you one year at seven. What, what did Ezekiel Elliott get? One year at 7.2 million or something to that effect. So, this is all silliness. This is all happening like almost as an effort to try to let Jonathan Taylor, you know, come to religion a little bit and recognize it's not happening. All the things that's been happening the last couple of weeks between you and the Colts, it only really ends ideally with you going back, hopefully running for 1300 yards, then going out as a free agent or them franchising tagging you, which they wouldn't do. But then you get $10.5 million for a year. That's about as good as it gets. This is ridiculous because that's not the way the running back market works anymore. Uh, Mike, I got to ask this question uh, away from Jonathan Taylor for a second, but you mentioned the hot takes in the new messenger sports section. Uh, looking forward to that coming out, obviously. But when it comes to this Eagles team, I know a lot of people around Philadelphia, myself included, are looking at this team and say, this is the best in the NFC. This is a team that will make it back to a Super Bowl. They certainly are poised to do that. But there's this little thing people talk about called the Super Bowl hangover. Why should Philadelphia, what do you think of the, the number one, number two reasons why Philadelphia should believe that the Eagles are not going to be a victim of the Super Bowl hangover? You know, there's nothing about the character of this team that we've seen that suggests that they're going to be satisfied by this, that these are people who let egos go to their head. Nothing that we've seen from Jalen Hurts suggests that he might be like the last group of guys who came in here and did that. You have, you, have, uh, you know, players who went to the Super Bowl went through that, won a Super Bowl. You still have leadership on that team who did that, came back the next year and experienced that hangover. You've got an influx of young players. All these things combined suggest that this is a team that has sort of a plan, infrastructure in place to overcome that and doesn't have this combination of whatever you call it, egos resting on your laurels, et cetera, that's going to cause that to happen. Th think, think of them like the Chiefs. The Chiefs never had a su Super Bowl hangover for the Chiefs as you lose the next Super Bowl or you lose in the AFC championship game because that's how Reed are. That's how Mahomes is. That's how I think Sirianni hurts and those guys are. No, well, hopefully that's the case. But I'll, I'll tell you my own problem. 
um, because uh, at the Messenger, here on Bird Street 65, on the Farzy Show, on the Jody McDonald Show, CBS Sports Radio, we're all at this time of year being expected to make projections and figure out what's going to happen in a year that hasn't started yet. And yeah, the NFC looks like it's the Eagles kingdom to me right now. There were only eight teams in the NFL that won a playoff game last year. Only eight. Three of them reside in the NFC East. The Giants won a playoff game. The Cowboys won a playoff game. There's only eight of them, and three of them are in the Eagles division. Why am I just dismissing the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Giants that you can show up if you want, but when all is said and done, that 19-year, nobody's repeated in the NFC thing is going to go by the wayside because the Eagles are going to win it again. Mm -hmm. Am I I looking at this with eagle-colored blinders on? A little bit. The Cowboys should be a very, very tough competitor right in the division. And the Giants are no slouches. I think that they're a notch below. If you really look at their roster up and down, they're still a rebuilding team. They have two rookie cornerbacks ready to start, and they look like good rookie cornerbacks, but they're rookie cornerbacks. You're not going to the Super Bowl with them. They're going to make mistakes along the way. The reason we dismiss the Cowboys is because they're the Cowboys. If you took the star off of there and you put like Green Bay Packers logo and you gave them the same talent, be like, okay, that's a real challenger. And of course, they're in our division. Um, Everything that came out of the Cowboys camp this year was that sort of lukewarm, ultra dramatic soap opera Cowboys nonsense. If they sweep past that, they really are that good and they can really be a, a handful for the Eagles. No, it's all about quarterback play, obviously. We talked about Jalen Hurts. We talked about Jalen Hurts a lot. Uh, not as much as last offseason when we were curious as to whether or not he was the guy. I think he answered that question with a resounding yes exclamation point. Uh, he's got the same weapons this year. He's got different running backs, but he's got a different offensive coordinator. What do you think Brian Johnson and Jalen Hurts' relationship will be? We know they're close. We know they're boys. They've known each other forever off the field. But as far as that coordinator and play caller relationship with the quarterback, how do you see that playing out this year? I don't think – I don't anticipate a major change because, you know, I didn't see – you know, Shane Steichen went from an unknown – to, you know, a head coach and he's gone. Like there was never this sense that, oh, we brought in this wonderkin and he was this or that, or he was Sean McVay or he was a Shanahan. No, he comes in, this system comes in, Hertz works within it and they go on. Now you've got Johnson again. There's a relationship there. I don't see any reason for friction. I don't see any reason for tension. I don't see any reason for that other side of things where it's like Rogers and Hackett, where you just become like the mouthpiece. I, I, again, these are not that those kind of people there. So I, nothing on that side of the ball has me that worried. Nothing on the other side of the ball has me that worried either because, you know, Jonathan Gannon, we saw in the Super Bowl, he wasn't necessarily scheming up to a certain level. And I think they did a pretty good job getting a replacement there. That's a very interesting dynamic coming into the Eagles on this season and what kind of defense you on the side is going to run. Right. Because you have to believe it's going to be really similar to the one that the Eagles ran last year. Nick Sirianni is on the record that he's got his philosophy. He's got his defensive tenets that he wanted in place. And that's why Sean Desai got the job because he's a Fangio guy and buys into those things. But he's been a little different in camp, not shown a lot, not said a lot, but what he has shown gives you the belief that he's going to try and be flexible that they're moving uh, Bradbury into the slot. I'm not quite sure I even understand why they do something like that to cover the best big tight ends in the league. Okay, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> um, but he's showing that he wants to do things a little bit differently, maybe more differently than I thought we were going to see. Do you think Sean decides got the same uh, length of rope that Gannon did, that he is going to be able to run the defense the way he wants to, or 
do you think Sirianni at some point is going to go, wait a minute, you and I discussed this. <laughs> I want the same defense I had last year. This isn't the same defense. What are you doing there, Sean? I yeah, need he's between the coach and the D.C. Right. I don't think you bring in a guy who's got like Vic Fangio and he's got like Pete Carroll bona fides and not give him a long leash there. I am trying to figure out the Bradbury thing. And one of the things that I do notice is, you know, C.D. Lamb's in the slot a lot for the Cowboys. They like putting him in the slot. The Giants have like 11 slot receivers right now. And if you look at where the ball goes, it's always going into the slot. It might be a recognition that you put a guy there that you have a lot of confidence in. So there might be a logic to that. I think if you look at the personnel of the Eagles, like you should not be blitzing a lot with the Eagles. You know, you've got like 18 different edge rush ends that you can put in there. you got all these guys you can bring in D-tackle. It should almost be Schwartz like these four are coming at you, and then you can do what you want to on the backside. And I think that's what's going to dictate here. Uh, you have the luxury and decide that you have this personnel that you can be flexible with, that you can move around. You're not hiding the weakest link. You're not faking it to generate pass rush by blitzing and stuff like that. That should make things a lot easier for him as a defensive coordinator. Uh, on that note – Nicobe Dean at Georgia was great at blitzing, six and a half sacks in his yeah. uh, last season there at Georgia. He can get after the quarterback. Uh, to me, I, I think that Jonathan Gannon fell under a little too much scrutiny for this one thing. I don't necessarily have a scheme. I have a philosophy. I don't think that's a horrible thing because we always say great coaches, great coordinators, whatever. Jim Johnson yeah. certainly did this. He coached to what he had. He didn't square, square peg, round hole it. So right. obviously there's a chance in everything, but – he has somebody that can get after the quarterback in the Kobe Dean, and he's going to be going up the middle behind two guys. And he's got a lot of experience going up the middle between in Jordan Davis and obviously Jalen Carter. So would it be far-fetched to think that maybe Nicobe Dean is, is sent on a mission to get after the quarterback a little bit more than what we saw from Jonathan Gannon and TJ Edwards, for instance? I would love to see it. And I think that is a better personnel fit. And, you know, when we talk about blitzing, there are some, uh, coordinators who bless about like 10% of the time, like Tony Dungy, like five, 10%. That was all it. And then you have like the Ryan brothers where it's like 40 or 50%. When you're, when you're in that like 15 to 30%, there's a huge range. And that's where somebody who has a flexible scheme can go up and down. And in that range, when you have a Nicobe Dean, and you can say, well, we don't have to really reinvent the wheel with this blitz package. We bring four. Somebody shoots the gap. You know, somebody's shooting the A gap, and it's going to be Nicobe Dean. That's a place where you can use him well and, and get the most out of him without necessarily overusing him or creating a situation where you're, you're shorthanded on the back end. I need your take on this, Mike, because it's become a cause celeb here in the last week or so, certainly since the Thursday night preseason game that the Eagles last played. Um, and maybe we'll get more information today that will let us know where the Eagles as an organization and Sirianni is the head coach are sitting as of right now. If I had to give you an in-depth scouting analysis of how Marcus Mariota has played this spring, it would be he stunk. I don't think I need to say much more than that. He stunk. Mm -hmm. Now, he's the backup quarterback, and he's the veteran guy, and the only other guy they have on the roster that looks like he could go in and maybe win a game if Jalen Hurts gets hurt is a sixth-round draft pick out of Stanford. So there is a rush here to try and get the Eagles a better backup quarterback, either it be putting Tanner McKee at number two or the Eagles on the waiver wire. Nick Foles' name gets thrown out. Carson Wentz's name gets thrown out. I don't see either of those two things happening. Who's going to be the backup quarterback when they go to New England in a couple of weeks, Mike? Does Tanner McKee remind you of Nick Foles? 
A little bit. Uh, size. He's uh, got just enough athletic ability to avoid a rush, but you don't want him turning it up the field and trying to make Jalen Hurts type runs. Yeah, I no. see where you're going with that. But that's it. And it's like a pocket passer, has a quick release, does a lot of things well. And then he takes off to run. And you're like, oh my God, if you were a half a step faster, if this was not like watching a school bus try to pull out into traffic, then there would be no question who the backup quarterback is. You're, you're right. Mariota has stunk. I've not been in camp. You know, I've been watching the preseason games. All I've seen is the continuation of the second half of last season with Marcus Mariota, where like the arm is shot. The decision-making, the, the, the courage with the ball is kind of shot where it's like, let me eject this down the field. My gut tells me if they're going to name Mario to the backup because if it's a third quarter and Hurts gets injured and somebody has to come in and has to run the offense, you can put Mariota out there. You hope that he's not going to panic in the situation and you don't have to change your scheme that much. If anything serious happens to Hurts, Season's probably over anyway, but they would probably very quickly turn to Tanner McKee. So I, I think it's a little bit nominal. And I also, I don't know what's out there. I don't think Nick Foles is the answer. We're not even going to talk about Carson Wentz as a possibility. Nobody's going to release a quarterback at this point. That's of a, a talent. That's going to make a difference there. That's how I see it playing out. And the best thing you can say about it is McKee has been encouraging. He looks like somebody you can develop. He looks like somebody you can get something out of if you need to. And again, as you just said, Mike, this is all in the vein that Jalen Hurts is healthy and he plays and we don't even need a backup quarterback. The Eagles don't even need a backup quarterback. Um, so under that um, dream, yeah, how do they keep Jalen Hurts healthy? I know it's a question to any athletic or any running quarterback. And I don't know if you consider Jalen Hurts necessarily a running quarterback. He's going to be a very athletic and smart quarterback. But how do they keep him healthy? Is it a matter of throwing and trusting your running backs more when the play is not there and maybe dumping it down, checking it down to one of them? Is it uh, more screen plays where he's just worried about one target, not necessarily making a read? How do you keep a guy like Jalen Hurts, Hurts healthy, or how do you help him stay healthy? Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, <laughs> Jordan Mulata, all the guys, you know, these guys that they've been bringing in the last couple of years that are playing well, I think, in the preseason overall. That's where it starts. I think. Even the running element of the system, the running element of the system is not Cam Newton plunging off tackle, you know, like trying to break tackles. Josh Allen does that a little bit, too. He is in open space. He can slide. He can get out of bounds in most cases. And, you know, schematically, there are a lot of quick passes in there. So anything you can do to help a mobile quarterback who's going to take hits in the running game, the Eagles have done. You're stuck at that point with the luck of the draw, so to speak. Somebody blindsides you, somebody blindsides you, et cetera. But I think the Eagles have done everything they could to make a sustainable system for Jalen Hurts. And, oh, by the way, I believe Nick Sirianni when he says, why would I take away his superpower? I know they gave him the big contract, but that was a key element to the Eagles' offense last year. He had 165 carries. whole bunch of those were uh, tush-push one-yarders, which you <laughs> are believing and hoping he doesn't get hurt. But I, I think he's going to run as much this year as he did last year. People are looking for him to, oh, cut it back, scale it back, because now he's important because he's making all that money. No, he's going to run just like he did. I don't think that Syria and or Johnson is going to change that anytime soon. There, there's all your right. job There's your job for Mariota. Make him the one-yard tush-push guy to save hurts. Or, or, or use McKee, who's like six foot seven and just like, fall forward and get shoved 
And that way you don't have to worry about Hurts. Maybe we found the role, the short yardage role for, for the back of quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. don't, don't think they'll be doing that anytime soon because Mariota is <laughs> not as good at it as Hurts is, and you don't want to be tipping your hand as to what kind of play yeah. calling you're going to do. Mariota would crouch down, yeah. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to get past the dual practice today and then the meaning, virtually meaningless preseason game against the Colts on Thursday night, and then it's off to the regular season. Week one in New England against the Patriots. I think if the Eagles should stumble and fall, it'll be for one reason and one reason only, and his name's Tom Brady. And I know Tom Brady's not going to play, but they're going to honor him, and that crowd is going to be lit, that the, the secondary ticket market, the most expensive game all year long, is the Eagles and the Patriots week one, because everybody's got to be there when they give their hosannas to Tom Brady. Are the Patriots going to be good enough that if their 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 emotions are raised to level enough that they can actually upset the Eagles Week One, Mike? That's exactly the way to put it. You know, never overestimate the Foxborough yips and the ghosts of Brady and those Super Bowls because we've seen it in the last three years where like these very inferior looking Patriots teams, the Jets or okay the Jets, the Bills would come to town in Foxborough and have a little mini panic attack out there like they're still facing Tom Brady. I think any team can be susceptible to that. The Eagles could be susceptible to that. That's what it will take, though. It will take this extremely emotional uh, response, this crowd that's going nuts that kind of makes them forces a mistake for the Eagles, and it creates a situation where the Patriots defense could take over that game and turn it into this muddy turnover and field goal fest. That's the only avenue for the Patriots to victory. Other side of the ball, Patriots offense does not look any better. They brought in Bill O'Brien, and all you're hearing is, oh, uh, Belichick was yelling at Mac Jones in training camp. Oh, Mac Jones, you know, gets sacked, gets strip sacked in the preseason games. Oh, Bailey Zappi is uh, still in the mix for starting quarterback. I don't think that's a very good offense at all. I think it's a fine defense. They're going to need to win those games with, like, with like the emotion and the gumption and that sort of thing. And you know, it is possible that the Eagles fall to that. You, you, you stepped yeah. you stepped in it, Mike. I think you threw a little shade on the Jets there. I don't know if Jody's going to stand for that. But it was just a slip of the tongue. I actually agree with you. Mike, I agree with you for the record. Um, overall, when you look at this Eagles team, what is your expectation? Is it another Super Bowl appearance? Is it uh, an NFC Championship game appearance? Or, or your overall expectation for this Eagles team? 12, 13 wins into the playoffs, into that playoff tournament, get to the NFC Championship, and then it, it becomes the luck of the draw at that point. Here is my fear. Okay, now here is my fear in the world. I haven't brought this up yet, okay? We just oh said, if, if, okay, if Jalen Hurts gets hurt, that's the, the Eagles are not going to go very far. San Francisco 49ers, if Brock Purdy gets hurt, Trey Lance comes in, they probably win 11, 12 games. If Trey Lance then gets hurt, Sam Darnold comes in, they probably win 11 or 12 games. My my fear of this is there's one team in the entire NFL that could say, our third-string quarterback can win 10, 11, 12 games and get into this playoff competition, and you guys could suffer a major injury and be gone. And that's the 49ers. The evidence that they can do that is that's what they did last year. Purdy was their third-string quarterback. So, you know, I look at this and say, I'm looking at all these teams, and full strength, the Eagles are probably at the top of the list, second to the Colts bills in the nfl whatever if you start cutting away the strength the eagles depth is not phenomenal most of these other teams are not phenomenal but then you start looking at the 49ers and say oh they could lose this they could lose this and that's where you start to worry all right before i get to the afc 
Who's the third best team in the NFC? I fear I know your answer already, and we're going to disagree, but that's fine. Um, the 49ers and Eagles are the two best. Who's yeah. number three? Cowboys. Yeah, I, like? I, I know I watched a game the other night. It meant nothing, and everybody subs. The Seahawks actually beat them. I think the Seahawks are the third best team in the NFC. I do, and I've done a 180 on Geno Smith. I was a Geno detractor because he stunk when he was with the Jets, but he played damn well last year, and their defense, getting Wagner back, is going to be better than it was, and Adams will be healthy, and Carroll's a hell of a coach. I actually think the Seahawks are the third best team in the NFC. Young defenders that I really like, very good draft class. They were fading down the stretch last year. And one of the reasons they were fading down the tr- stretch is their offensive line started to backtrack. They had two rookie tackles who were like the talk of the league for the first couple of weeks. They started to make mistakes. Defenders kind of figured out what they could do. Gino was under fire a little more. He took a little bit of a step back along the way. The Seahawks land in that tier with me, like the Giants and then like the teams like the Saints and Falcons, you know, in that weird little division they're in there. Yeah, these are good teams. I just think that, you know, you have the Eagles, Niners, Cowboys, and they're just stacked at a different level right now. When it comes to uh, that Cowboys team, uh, I know we talked about them a little bit earlier, but if they are the number three or even number four, I mean, usually can look around the league and look at five, or look around the conference rather and see five teams that would be a threat to, to your squad when healthy. But when it looks like the Cowboys and what they have put on paper, and I know that they always get the, the big network bump and the ratings bumps and all that stuff, and everybody cares about the Cowboys, you either love them or you hate them and all that. It just comes down to one main thing. When push comes to shove, they don't show up. They come up small. I mean, that's really the – and look, I don't know what the reason is going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be Dak having another interception fest. I don't know if it's going to be Mike McCarthy now calling plays and he's going to come up small in the biggest moments or their defense doesn't you know, foot the bill when it comes to what they're supposed to do with adding guys like uh, 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 Stephon Gilmore, for instance, for this season. It, it's odd to me when you look at that, uh, that Cowboys team that you look at a team, that you look at the names, and they say, wow, there's talent. There's a Super Bowl winning coach, albeit, yes, with Aaron Rodgers, but people conveniently forget how many Packers were on IR that year when they won the Super Bowl. So Mike McCarthy was doing something right. But the Cowboys, to me, inevitably are just going to end up doing what most of Philadelphia says they always do, which is choke. So why should I buy into the idea that the Dallas Cowboys will have somewhat of a better year than what they had last year? You know, when you do analytics and you're trying to really do do things just very mathematically and objectively, you have to take things that happened 20 years ago and you have to throw them away. You have to take Tony Romo missing the hold on the extra point and you throw some of those, those things away. And when you do that, the Cowboys are that are this great team. But like when you are a human and you have a subjectivity, you recognize that there might be a flaw inherent into the system that you can't measure with math. And McCarthy could be that flaw. Uh, Jerry could be that flaw. Don't forget the kicker situation. The kicker, screwed the pooch last year and then they're bringing in this kid from the uh, usfl to kick and he has not been very good at camp so you know i would say that with your heart recognize the cowboys are still that team that's going to do something dumb in the playoffs with your head if you're putting wagers down and stuff like that be a little more mindful of just how strong they really are and history like that has a way of changing at a moment's notice yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not as big a cowboy guy as you are coming into the year. Right. You touched on it a little bit. Did they get better at wide receiver by Ed and Cooks? Yes, give them credit for it. They get better at cornerback where they needed an upgrade, getting Gilmore. Yeah, give them credit for it. Did they get worse at tight end? 
Oh, I think so. Dalton Schultz was a key guy for Zach the last couple Zach, the last couple of years. And if you tell me this schoonmaker kid is gonna all of a sudden come out of nowhere and done anything, have been hurt in camp, I think they take a step back there. Good luck to a USFL kicker. I know Brett Meyer <laughs> kind of ended their season last year, but this guy was playing professional soccer two years ago. And now he's going to kick game-winning field goals in the NFL? I don't know about that. And the biggest thing of all, and this is an analytics thing where you unfortunately have to go back a little bit, Mike, but I know you have. What kind of play call is Mike McCarthy going to oh, be? <laughs> we don't know. And I like Dak, and the Eagle fans have to begrudgingly give Dak credit because – He's got a winning record against the Eagles. He's played well against the Eagles. He's had issues with other teams, but he's been able to beat the Eagles. But I kind of give a lot of the credit that McCarthy got as a play caller in Green Bay to that Rodgers guy that mm -hmm. I could have called plays and Rodgers could have turned him into touchdowns. How good, uh, how under a, a microscope should McCarthy be for his play calling for the first half of the season? It should be very much under the microscope. And I guarantee you, if the play calling looks stale and stagnant, he'll blame Schottenheimer, um, you know, because that's kind of how McCarthy operates. But it'll be him. He's been putting the target on himself for the last six months talking about play calling. He has, you know, a pamphlet. There's like six plays that he really wants to run. Um, so, so we will have to see. Now, everything, all the news coming out, first of all, about tight end. They like Jake Ferguson there. They're really happy with the camp he had. That's part of the news there. Take that or leave it. They've been really raving about, you know, a different tempo and like different protection schemes and all these other West Coast offense things are going to bring in. So the storyline is McCarthy has changed as a play caller or that the old play calling was a storyline or a myth or whatever. We'll see. But you're absolutely right. For now, that's going to be what you're looking at. If you see them running slant flats, like it's like the Madden you know, X button over and over again, you know that nothing has changed and you can sort of like set your watch by what's going to happen to the Cowboys next. I know Jody wants to ask you about the AFC, but I got one more thing I got to ask you about the NFC East. You mentioned the the Giants aren't that far behind when it comes to the Cowboys, and uh, obviously I think they're a very well coached team. Uh, they they invested some money there in the, the two of their marquee players there, offensively speaking, and Daniel Jones and obviously Saquon Barkley. Uh, but but why are the Giants that close? What have they done to show you they could be that close to even the Cowboys to be one of the top teams in the NFC? Very strong offensive line anchored by Andrew Thomas. Very strong defensive line anchored by Dexter Lawrence and these other guys that they brought in. So you start with that absolute uh, ability in the trenches. Very clear that Waller, the tight end, has had a phenomenal camp, that he's bounced back. He's one of these guys the Raiders let go because they're the Raiders. That's a strength there. And then you talk about the coaching there. Like There's no marquee wide receiver one, okay? It's a bunch of wide receiver two, wide receiver threes. That system is designed to get those guys the ball, to kind of like pe peck you to death with these little short passes. And that's going to make them a very strong team overall. Good protection, good enough running game, diversified offense, great front seven. Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, it looks like he's coming around as their, as their premier edge rusher. That's going to make them a tough out. What's going to be their Achilles here, like you say, young guys in the secondary they really like, but they're really young guys in the secondary. And, yeah, when you don't have a wide receiver one, you don't have A.J. Brown, you don't have Jamar Chase, whatever, it's going to limit what you can do in terms of your ceiling. I, I lied. One more NFC question for me. Then I will get into the AFC. Tony Pollard last year played 16 games, pretty good, had about 190-some-odd carries. On paper, it looks to me like they're going to need him to take more like 250 carries and Zeke is no longer there, and he did get hurt right at the end of the season last year. Is that an issue for the Cowboys? Tony Pollard keeping him upright, uh, that 
He's got a chance. He's got the talent to become a star back in this league. But do you think he's got the wherewithal to stay healthy for all 17 games? Running backs don't matter. Running backs uh, don't matter. Okay. It's not like everybody else around the National <laughs> Football League. Running backs, yeah, I actually say that because I don't like saying it. Running backs don't matter very much. Okay. Very much. Okay. You're going to get this kid, Deuce Vaughn, who's about like, you know, five foot nothing uh, and like is like a little bocce ball and have him ram in there. You have this kid, Rico, uh, Rico, not Rico Suave. Uh, no, yes. Yeah. You can bring in these guys. Okay. What matters for them is if their offensive line is strong. Zach Martin is back. They've got Tyson Smith, Tyler Smith. They've got bodies there. They For years, they've had it figured out on the offensive line. That's not going to be an issue for them. All right. We shall see. Um, one of McMullen's favorite lines. Nobody cares about stopping the run until you have to stop the run. Then people start <laughs> to care about it. Um, I Yeah, I'm going to give you a hot take here. The AFC is better than the NFC. Mm-hmm. Like Everybody's been saying that all offseason long. Oh, my God, the AFC is so much better. And there's a reason they say it because – it looks that way on paper. Yeah. How big is the divide between the AFC, NFC, the two conferences top to bottom compared to each other, Mike? It's all about that top to bottom um, because you say, okay, the Eagles, let's say the Eagles and the 49ers do deserve to be right in the conversation with the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs. And then you get to the second tier and you start talking about, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not somebody to be overlooked. Neither is Lamar Jackson that you have this Browns team that's a lot stronger. You have a, a Chargers team and a Jaguars team that are up and comers. And like all of the Dolphins, all of these are like at this level where you could talk about them suddenly exploding to be in the Super Bowl. Like, oh, how did the Jets get in the Super Bowl? Aaron Rodgers helped take them there, okay? Mm-hmm. How, how did the uh, Dolphins do it? Tua stayed healthy and uh, Tyreek Hill had two million yards, whatever. If you try to do that with like the Seahawks, the Giants, you know, even the Lions – you start to churn, churn, churn in terms of, well, all these guys you didn't expect suddenly became MVPs. You know, that that's a level that's different. You know, in the NFC, we have teams like the Saints and Falcons where we're talking about they could win 10, 11 games because their schedule is easy. You have nobody like that. In the, in the AFC, you have the Ravens might only go 9 and 8 or the Steelers might only go 9 and 8, 8 and 9 despite all the talent because their schedule is so hard. That's the difference you're looking at in terms of the quality. All right, last thing for me, Mike, and I'll readily admit I haven't been able to pick up on this. On Saturdays, I spend too much time in front of my TV watching the NFL Network and watching meaningless preseason games with third stringers and the like, but that's what we do. (laughs) It seems to me like there isn't an NFL rule change or an emphasis on something that they want the referees to call for an upcoming season. It's happened each of the last two or three years. And you go, wait, they're going to call this all year long. And they call it like the first or second week. And I go back to calling it the way they usually call it, but they, they want to make a point Mm -hmm. in preseason with uh, how they're going to have a slight adjustment with the way the game is going to be called. I've not noticed that this year. Am I just missing it? Is there something out there that I should be noting or is this going to be a season where we're just expecting the rules to still be the rules when the season gets underway? I haven't even noticed that big a change in kickoffs with these new kickoff rules. Mm. It all kind of looks the same. You can you know kick it deep, or you can kick it short, whatever. I'm waiting for that to be an impact. But you're right. You know, I've seen roughing the passer calls that looked a little ticky tack. We've been seeing that you know for 25 years, whatever. I've seen an eligible man down field call really the last year or two. Eagles fans, we know that. Oh, you know, you did an RPO and you got six inches too far. Nothing that really stands out where you're going to say, oh, this is the 15-yard penalty that's going to change a game in week one. I think it's the same things that we have to get used to, and that's these sort of safety measures that the league is always emphasizing. 
All right. Mike's new employer, themessenger.com. Brand new website that he tells us is going to be all-inclusive news, entertainment, sports to get underway next week. When is the debut day for the sports section of The Messenger? I believe it'll be August 28th, and people will be able to find like lots and lots of team previews by May when we do this launch, because I've been writing dozens, I guess 32, previews for around the league so that we're ready for launch with all the content you need. All right, then see, now you just let me to one more question. What team surprised you? You're doing your research, you're crunching your numbers, you're using your outsider way of looking at things, and you said, Damn, they might be better than I was thinking. Did anybody jump off the page when you were doing your team previews? The Atlanta Falcons, I was going to just say, well, they'll be fine because their schedule's easy. Then you look at sort of the depth of talent, offensive line, all these additions across their defense. You say, no, this is a pretty solid team if their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, comes around and takes that step up to being sort of like middle-tier quarterback. You like Ritter? I liked Ritter to uh, somewhat coming out of college. I guess my question is, why did it take him so long to overtake Mariota last year? Mm, yes, that's a legit question. That's yeah. why we bring Mike Tanya in. He comes with legit answers. Thank you very much for doing so. And the website, The uh, Messenger, got to check it out starting next week for sports. If you're a political, you can go ahead and check it out now. But Mike <laughs> and the rest of his buddies will put the sports section together on Monday, next Monday. Uh, debut of the messenger sports section and we will have mike tenure back plenty during the year mike thanks bud always a pleasure you got it. take care guys enjoy the week thanks, mike mike tenure here with us on uh, birds 365 that's so fun it's funny how this stuff works out i was gonna bring this up with you uh later farzi um for my cbs show a national show i promised my listeners back in uh, shoot I guess probably going all the way back to July that I would get a preview guest on for all 32 teams. Now I only do two days a week. So I got to like go heavy handed with the guests <laughs> to get a preview 32 guys. That's a whole bunch of guests to, to slice into a month's time. I think I got 22 done. I got 10 to do and I got three weeks to get it done. So it's going to be borderline, but I just did the Falcons this past week. And it had D. Orlando Ledbetter, who we've had here on Birds 365 before, covers the Falcons for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And he kind of sold me, because I haven't did, even done the work that uh, Mike has. Uh, I follow the National Football League just in general. I don't spend an hour and a half breaking down the numbers of teams that aren't called the Philadelphia Eagles or the New York Jets. Um, and, yeah, he sold me on the Falcons. Here's the problem. I'm just not that big a Desmond Ritter guy. Uh, I think he's their starter because Marcus Mariota, let's see, much like he does here in Philadelphia, stunk. So they weren't going to, they they went out and got B. John Robinson rather than drafting the number three quarterback in the draft. Hey, I, you think Desmond Ray is going to win for them this year? Uh, I don't, but I'm curious to see how he uses Pitt, and I'm curious to see how they use Robinson. I mean, I think those guys are going to end up being their bell cows, obviously, when it comes to this is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply to their offense so if he can play point guard which is usually not a very good compliment to give a quarterback because quarterback's supposed to win for you if he can play point guard though get the ball to those guys let them show their talent then yeah then maybe he'll win for him but it'll be mostly those guys winning for him and somebody's got to win that division and last year the bucks did it with a losing record eight nine won that division uh might come down to that again there are people are projecting oh somebody's gonna win 11 games that division no, they're not. They're really not that good. And uh, I sort of was starting lead toward the Falcons. Then after the fact, you go back and you double check things. And I was going, no, I was right. They're not that good. Uh, no one in that division is all that good. <laughs> uh, Jody Mac with Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mac today. Uh, we'll come back. Our number two, we're going to go uh, in a specific direction as well with our guests. Ian Cummings is going to join us. Uh, for those of you who are loyal and streaming every day, Ian's on with us plenty leading up to the draft. I thought it'd be interesting to get him on this week because it's cut down week. All the rookies in the national football league guys, he scouted all last year and had opinions on, including of course, the Eagle rookies. Uh, we had his uh, look at who he thinks is going to be a major contributor and will be confirmed because they make their rosters this week. And yeah, we'll ask him draft questions for 2024. All right. It's 10 months away. I get it. It's a long time to go before we get to the draft. But he's that good. I'm sure he's already got some opinions on players for this upcoming college season, which also, by the way, gets underway on Saturday. So we're uh, looking forward to talking to Ian Cummings. He's going to join us next hour here on Birds 365. If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. This is Birds 365 on a joint practice Tuesday. Last one of these we're going to have in a while, uh, all the way till next spring because the Colts and the Eagles play on Thursday. And then the preseason's over and done with. There'll be four or five days of uh, stories leaking and who's going to make what team and who's going to hit the waiver wire and the Eagles are going to have to cut down. Just like everybody else, one week from today, next Tuesday, you got to go from 90 to 53 going to be massive numbers of guys who are available out there. How does it play out for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles? And they're going to cut the roster, uh, Farzi, and then they're going to have to make other decisions, not just who's here, but who's playing and in what role. Uh, I asked you about uh, Bradford, Bradbury playing in the slot, which is Sean Desai kind of tipping his hand that I like flexibility. I want flexibility. I'm going to do it a little different than Jonathan Gannon did the last two years. They got two positions on this team that we've known since the offseason that we're going to come in as question marks, and that's linebacker and safety because they're two starting linebackers. Both went the way of the Dodo Bird out the door free agency. They're two starting safeties. Both said, see you later, bye, and relocated via free agency. So they needed four new starters in those positions. That's a pretty big turnover. And we've gotten now through most of the preseason camp. N'Kobe Dean most assumed was going to be the middle linebacker. Um, for a good long period of time, really hadn't opened anybody's eyes with play. They made a big play in the exhibition game the other day. Looks like he's going to be the man. He's going to play uh, the same level that... Edwards played last year, which is almost every single snap. But the other linebacker position is still to be determined, and we're now just days away from the start of the season. Um, Personally, I think that uh, Cunningham has earned that other starting spot, but that's just me, and we'll see what the side does. Do you think they're going to rotate guys at linebacker? Last year they didn't. It was They threw Kaiser White and uh, Edwards out there and – Nicobe Dean couldn't get a snap to save his life, 34, for the entire season. That's the way Gannon did it last year. Do you think the side does it differently? That if nobody really jumps off the page and goes, oh, my God, he should be on the field for every single snap, do you think they're going to rotate guys in and out at linebacker? Well, I compared linebacker and running back uh, before the break, and I'm going to do it again. Um, Yes, I think they're going to ride a hot hand. I think if somebody comes out and really starts to take that linebacker spot, uh, with authority and really wraps their arms around it and you know takes the job, I think that they're going to stick with that person. If that person starts to struggle, they're going to go with the next guy. I don't think 
from what I have seen so far, I don't think there's some kind of huge gap between Zach Cunningham and Christian Ellis. I think Christian Ellis has played very well. I think ultimately it's going to be Zach Cunningham's job to lose, especially now with Miles Jack taking himself out of the running by retiring. So maybe he's going to pursue that trade school thing. But uh, I think they like Nicholas Morrow. I think they like Christian Ellis. I think they like Zach Cunningham. But I think when camp started, Obviously, obviously, it was Morrow's job to lose, and it shows you the position battle that went on because now I think it's gravitated more to Zach Cunningham. I know a lot of people took that as it was a knock on N'Kobe Dean and his inability to stay on the football field. He's already hurt in, like, what, the first week of training camp. They go out there and they get somebody else to come in and possibly take that position, two guys to possibly take that position. But really, I think the whole time it was all about that outside spot who was going to be playing next to N'Kobe Dean for the majority of the season. They like the guys that can come around the edge and Nolan Smith and Hassan Reddick, obviously, but they need an actual linebacker in there to help them in either going after the quarterback or stopping the run or dropping back in the coverage in that Kazir White spot. I think that role is going to be Zach Cunningham. I think he's the only other starting linebacker that's going to have regularity this season. So when the season actually does start in New England, I think going to be looking at Zach Cunningham to be that number one guy next to Nicobe Dean. It'll be Cunningham's job to lose when the season starts. You're probably right, but here's one of the things that I think will play against, quote-unquote, a rotation with the linebackers. I think they're only going to keep three linebackers on the team. I think it's going to be Dean. I think it's going to be Cunningham, and I think it's going to be probably Christian Ellis. I don't think Nick Moore is going to make this team. Wow. I think they're going to carry three linebackers. Shoot, most of my life, you needed three linebackers just to play the game. Forget about <laughs> backup. You started three linebackers. Yeah. I think the Eagles are only going to have three linebackers on the entire roster. They're going to be ready to go to big nickel when they have to and drop Edmonds down as a quasi-linebacker with two other safeties on the field. I don't know if there's going to be that much rotation because I don't think they've got rosters. I think they've so devalued linebacker that they're only going to keep three guys on the roster to begin with. So wow, sub in for Cunningham uh, plenty during the year, I guess. And that makes it a quasi-rotation. But I think they're only going to have three LBs on this team. That would be shocking. That would, I mean, we've, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about running backs being devalued. That's linebackers becoming not, that's your middle linebacker matters and he's got to be versatile. And then you got some edge rushers. You got some outside linebackers. That'll be obviously guys like Nolan Smith and Son Reddit that'll get after the quarterback, but you really only have one running back then. You might as well only have one running back or excuse me, one linebacker. I'm doing it now already. You might as well only have one linebacker. That would be insane. It would also show me that maybe they have more in this uh, Ben Van Sumeren fella the Michigan-Michigan State crossover to put him on the practice squad and have him ready to elevate at any time. Because I don't know how you could play better than Christian Ellis played in trying to win a, a roster spot and then still lose out to a guy that they just brought in to get into this system under Sean Desai in Zach Cunningham. And then Nicholas Morrow, the guy they brought in in the offseason who was thought to be, oh, well, they got a legitimate starting linebacker here to be outside or maybe even play in the middle uh, instead of N'Kobe Dean. And then all of a sudden he's off the team. I would be very surprised if that if yeah. that was the deal, that would be very surprising. We'll we will know this time. Well, not this time because I think it's like a one o'clock cut down next Tuesday. Uh, but close to it, close to one week from today, we'll know what the original 53 looked like, which well, how many times you and I have both said this, this is a sports talk show host. The original 53 are just that, the original 53. It's mm -hmm. not going to be the guys that they take the New England 
12 days later, there'll be movement. There'll be swapping in and out. There'll be claims. There'll be changes. So uh, we'll we'll have fun by projecting and predicting the original 53. And then they'll make um, changes between then and the first game. I I will say – I'm sorry, Jody, but I will say the linebacker battle and the safety battle have been my – there haven't been a lot of battles this camp. I mean, people talk about the running backs, but, I mean, yes, that will be running back by committee essentially. But the linebacker spot and the safety spots, those have been the most fun to follow throughout camp. And really, in, in, in recent memory, other than quarterback battles, if you want to call them that over the years, this has been the most fun camp to watch as far as position battle goes between those two spots. That's both fair and accurate. Uh, so let me go there with the safeties. John says, I said most of the guys who covered the team, I think, have said it in some way, shape, or form. Sidney Brown is the most athletically gifted safety that the Eagles have, even more so than Reed Blankenship. Reed, with his experience and his smarts, um, is the reason why he is their unquestioned safety and is sitting out the second preseason game. Man, when I, when I saw the inactives the other day and saw that he was getting deference, didn't even have to dress for the game. He's only 10 months removed from being an undrafted free agent who got a $5,000 signing bonus to come and sign with the Eagles. Man, he's come a long way in a very short period of time. But he's their, he's their main guy. And most people suggest that Sidney Brown is the most physically gifted and talented of all the other uh, safeties on this roster. But he also plays, quote-unquote, with his hair on fire, high speed, and uh, wants to be a missile at other teams upon. That was not the defense that Jonathan Gannon played these last two years. They didn't look for safeties to take chances. They wanted guys who were good coverage like like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and guys who can come up and support the run. I'm not sure that's what Sidney Brown is bringing to the table right now. Will his own aggressiveness handicap him from potentially being the other starter across from uh, Reed Blankenship on Sunday against New England? I, I am sorry if I have missed this, but I, and I'm sure you've talked about it. John McMullen talking about his conversation with Tim McManus of ESPN. Have you guys no. talked about that? No. Really? Yeah, no. That John McMullen character, okay, that guy, he was talking to Tim McManus at camp, I think it was two weeks ago. And McManus was on when I was filling in for Rob Ellis on uh, Sports Take with Derek Gunn last week. And I asked McManus to confirm this story. How the hell did you get McManus on? You got to jump through such friggin' hoops to get to ESPN to get McManus on. I got to tip my hat to you for getting him on, but we we always said, oh, yeah, I'll get it done. Never happened. Well, I got to give credit to um, Derek Gunn, who Gunn you know, got it he, done. Good. He could be he he could be more charming than any of us yeah, combined. That's true. Uh, that's right. But he Tim McManus and John McMullen were telling the story, uh, or McMullen was telling the story, and I confirmed it with McManus. Where McManus said to John McMullen, "You know, Nicobe or uh, Sidney Brown is too aggressive for the style of defense that the Eagles want to play." That's what I just said too. And you and that's what made me think that you guys had already had this conversation. So I understand the world we live in with running backs. I understand the world we live in with linebackers. But when the hell is it a negative thing to be aggressive as a safety in the NFL, especially in Philadelphia, where we watch Brian Dawkins patrol the line of scrimmage, make tackles in the backfield, force mistakes in the backfield, obviously also be the deepest man on the field as a free safety should, as one of the most common things you should be as a free safety deepest man on the field. 
We watched Malcolm Jenkins in the city play in the box time and time again, play every staff time and time again. We watched Chauncey Gardner-Johnson in like the blink of an eye become one of the best safeties in the NFL with how he played both to uh, be a ball hawk last year and play in the box last year. And now all of a sudden, you have Sean Desai, who has been blessed by Vic Fangio, who has been blessed by Pete Carroll, who is now your defensive coordinator, and he can't hone the skill of aggression from Sidney Brown, if he can't do that, he shouldn't be a defensive coordinator. So I say you start Sidney Brown. I say you coach him up. You get the uh, startup costs that everyone likes talking about out of the way, done, finito, early, and then all of a sudden you have yourself a great starting safety on your team for the foreseeable future and possibly two with Reed Blankenship as well. I say unleash the beast, unleash the fury, let him be aggressive, let him go out there and do what he does well. And, oh, how about this? Coach him, teach him, show him the ways in which you want him to play. So for me, I think it's signed, sealed, delivered. He should be your starter week. All right. Uh, Mark Farzetta, you will both be forgiven and absolved if you say three Hail Marys and four Our Fathers. But you must repeat the mantra first. No No. chunk plays. (laughs) That is the Eagles' defensive mantra. It has been Sirianni, Gannon, doesn't matter. Now passed along to Sean Desai. All as disciples of Vic Fangio. No chunk mm. plays. They do not want to give up chunk plays. They cannot give up chunk plays. You will be, get demerits if you give up <laughs> chunk plays. And yeah, there's a fear that the aggressiveness of Brown, despite being caught, despite being taught, despite uh, doing the drills, that his nature is going to get him sneaking up to that line, flying to the ball. Getting that, uh-oh, here comes the double move, and it's behind the safety. That's why I think Sean Desai may just pass on Brown as a starter. And they'll continue to coach him up, and they'll continue to give him reps, and they'll continue to browbeat him. No chunk plays. But I don't think it's going to be week number one. I all think. right. Here's all you got to do. Deep, just tell him deep or aggressive. Deep or aggressive. Deepest man on the field or go knock somebody's head off. It's not that difficult. And yes, I'll say my active contrition. Yeah, but then again, remember, it's the Eels we're talking about where less is more. They just uh-huh. don't practice that many hours to get that ingrained into a young man's head, that perfect balance between aggression and the defensive overall philosophy of, no. you didn't say it, Farzetta, repeat after me. No, no chug plays. plays. All right, three M. Mary's three are fathers. You will be forgiven. <laughs> All right, Jody McDonald in with Mark Farzetta. He's in for Johnny Mac today. Coming back, we've got a uh, good guest coming on. Uh, we've had Ian, Ian Cummings on plenty leading up to drafts. He's one of the best draft analysts out there. Thought it'd be cool to have him on this week because it's cut down week in the NFL. So a whole bunch of guys whose praises he sung went nuts over, demeaned, depending on whether you like the guy or not, are either going to have or not have jobs in the National Football League. I want to find out how much Ian follows their career. Oh, by the way, he's got a college football season he's got to get ready for. Never too early to look at the next upcoming draft. We're going to do that with incomings from the uh, profootballnetwork.com next here on Birds 365.
passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction, go with trust, and go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. fans on earth it's a bold statement but would you expect anything less from philadelphia 58 years of heartache creates a toughness a grit a resolve not found in most sure our prayers were answered but now that we've had a taste we're looking for more pondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles You got your Mac and Mark guys the Ambards 365 Mark Farzetta in for John McMullen who's over at the Eagles camp already he had to go over early days like I see Shane Shane was his guy uh, so the Colts are in town say so he wanted to get a uh, couple of minutes with Shane Steichen before they got this joint practice underway uh, yeah, John will be back tomorrow. We'll talk plenty about it. But right now, here with us on Birds 365, we got a guy who's uh, jumped in with us for guest appearances leading up to and then after the draft uh, to tell us how things went. Does a great job for uh, ProFootballNetwork.com. That would be Ian Cummings. Ian, here's my first question for you. How many games is it going to take for some national pundit on the National Football League, in-game, on studio, whatever else, to say, how the hell did the rest of the National Football League, and it's actually only nine teams, let Jalen Carter fall to the Eagles at number nine? How, how many games is Carter going to have to log before somebody says that this season? It, it won't take long, that's for sure. And I'm sure some people said it already with that very first snap in the preseason when he was you know, blasting his blocker back. I mean, the dude has insane talent, and people are going to wonder about it. You know, the optics, we talked about it at length leading up to the draft. There were reasons why some teams were a little hesitant, apprehensive for him. But when you look at the talent, right, blue chip guy, you know, if it was just about talent, he wouldn't have fallen that far. And I think he's in a really good situation with the Eagles, with the combined veteran presence that they have in that defensive locker room, and then the Georgia teammates like N'Kobe Dean, Jordan Davis, they can help guide him along. So I think he landed in the perfect situation in the NFC East and the entire NFL uh, might regret letting him get to that spot. How about this? Um, both guys out of Georgia in the first round coming to Philadelphia. So I want to ask you this question. Uh, Jordan Davis, rookie year, some injuries. They had to bring in some veteran help there, obviously, to help out uh, Fletcher Cox there in the middle of the line of scrimmage. But – 
when it comes to Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, who do you think is poised for a more breakout rookie season? Like Jalen Carter might have the better career. Nolan Smith might have the better career. One guy might be more poised to break out in the rookie season. Who do you think that player is to have the, uh, you know, jump onto the scene type of rookie season? It's a tough question because I think they both have plus talent for sure. I don't mm -hmm. think that's in question. Uh, I think Jalen Carter, and it does appear that Carter looks better conditioned than he did at his pro day. I think getting in the situation for the whole summer, getting into the NFL, you know, routine has really helped him a lot. I think, you know, for me personally, it's close because I, I expect them both to have an early impact. But I do think Jalen Carter's impact is maybe a little more reliant on the guys around him on that defensive front. You look at Jordan Davis, the nose tackle. He's going to be tasked with encumbering double teams and freeing up one-on-one -on -one opportunities for Carter or alongside Fletcher Cox, who, you know, is still a very good player, but a veteran aging, getting a little older. We don't know how much closer he's going to get to that cliff this year. I look at Nolan Smith, man, his play style, his brand of athleticism allows him to play so free both as a pass rusher and a pursuit defender and we've already seen that insane range and speed that he has he can close gaps instantly when he's chasing quarterbacks and running backs so I think Nolan Smith man he's got that athleticism he's got that pursuit speed and he is showing really bright flashes as a pass rusher too using his hands in tangent with that speed and bend so I think Nolan Smith you know alongside Hassan Reddick he can be an absolute game wrecker I'm looking at him to make the slightly more the slightly bigger impact on the stat sheet just because he is such a free-flowing player but I think Jalen Carter his kind of like in college he didn't have elite production but you could see his impact on tape when he's disrupting blocks and you know shooting gaps and just completely eroding plays before they develop i expect them both to provide an early impact but to me nolan smith with that explosive ability uh, we'll be able to see it a little more distinctly i think all right uh, to use the phrase you just used on tape that's a big part of your job is to be able to evaluate the tape and project and uh, see what a player is going to do before he gets a chance to do it on a national football league field the guy on the Eagles that probably has been the highest riser from where last season ended to we sit here today, their second and last joint, their first joint practice against Colts, their third overall before the meaningless last preseason game. The guy who's moved up the most, at least in my eyes, is Reed Blankenship. This guy's 10 months removed from being an undrafted free agent who the Eagles gave $5,000 to as a bonus to come into camp. He makes it. He fills in for CJGJ. We don't know who the Eagles safeties are going to be. He's the unquestioned number one starter and didn't even have to dress last week for the game, uh, their last preseason game. Good on him. He was a five-year starter in college, mm -hmm. playing at a lesser level than the SEC or any of the other conferences. And now he's the starter at safety for a team that may very well go to the Super Bowl again this year for the second consecutive year. Do you look at players differently? Is there a guy that jumps out with you? Blankenship, the guys I'm pointing to now, but in other years where you go, all right, no, if, if you're sticking around for a fourth year in college, there's a reason. You're not that good. If you're playing five years in college, there's a reason you're not going, you're not that good. If you're not good enough to come out after three years, you're not going to make it in the pros. But then read Blankenship happens. Does it change the way you need to evaluate? Because there's something to be said for that experience goes a hell of a long way. To me, it signifies two things that it's really important for draft analysts to remember. One, we don't know anything, right? We study and we want to think we do know, you know, something definitively, but we don't know how these careers are going to pan out. Keep that under wraps. No, Your man, boss I... may be listening. You don't no, want to say out loud, we don't know anything. 
It's important to be. All right, I, I know. I, a little I, I bit. refuse I know a to little accept bit. that. I think you know a hell of a lot, but don't <laughs> ever say that out loud, big guy. Well, here's the thing. You know, it's one of those things where, and I think you know, it's not just that, but it's also the talent pools that we're doing dealing with in the modern NFL are are vast, man. They are huge. I mean, a vast amount of players enters the NFL draft every season, and you know, it's not that we don't know anything, but it's we know so little. You know, no matter how much you study and research, there's always going to be that degree of uncertainty. And you know, I like to put it another phrase that. I like to use is good players go undrafted you know they go all the time I don't think people realize how small of a window 250 260 picks is it's a very small window I mean there's over a thousand players in that pool in that circulation right so good players go undrafted and I think looking at guys like Blankenship looking back maybe he shouldn't have been undrafted because he was a five-year starter he was very productive against the run and in coverage too he tested well you know he showed off those instincts in in both phases so you know you look back and you have those cautionary tales those corrective tales that kind of make you reevaluate right but the fact of the matter is there are a lot of good players every year right and it depends not just on their situation but you know what they have mentally too to kind of get through that nfl grind right so a lot of those things we don't really see until they settle in they get on that routine they get on that track and two to three years down down the line we have the real answers so i think it's just a reminder right there's so much talent that you're working with and there's so many different variables we can study and research all we want to, but at, at some point we have to acknowledge a good player can come from anywhere. So, Absolutely, and including, I mean, not just undrafted guys. I mean, obviously not just guys taken in the first round can be great, but guys in the third round, and we're looking at a guy like Sidney Brown. So I'm looking at him at least to hopefully be a starter and you know get some experience under his belt right out of the gate, but there's become this narrative, Ian, here in Philadelphia that, oh, he might be too aggressive for what they want to do in Philadelphia. He might be too aggressive for you know, not giving up that chunk play, and Jody and I just talked about it. From what you know about Sidney Brown and his time at Illinois, what do you know about him and the coachability factor from Sidney Brown, where he can listen to his coaches, he could digest that information, that he could go out there and actually apply it? What is the coachability factor there with Sidney Brown? Well, I think the coachability is definitely there. I don't think that's that's disputable. I do think it takes time, especially at the NFL level, because you're you're working with a different kind of play pace at the NFL level. And a lot of NFL offenses, you know, are designed to get those hyper aggressive defenders to bite, right? To free up that space so that they can capitalize. So that's an adjustment for Sidney Brown, who played a lot of Big Ten West offenses last year, right? So, you know, was allowed to play more confident, a little freer, a little faster. And that's not a bad thing at the NFL level. You want to play fast, you want to play confident. But at the same time, brazen confidence can be, you know, can be a weakness at times if you don't know how to control it. Right. And I think like any young player, there's going to be a process for kind of acclimating and getting that adjustment under wraps. Uh, but I do think Sidney Brown, you know, I think as a rookie, you've got to be patient, right? Because there are going to maybe be times where he bites and lets up a big play. You know, don't let it be the end for him. Don't, you know, harp on him too much because he needs to get those reps under his belt. He needs to kind of get the feel of the NFL down before he can play with that control and that confidence that you want him to. As as for his physical talent, I mean, you've seen it. The hustle on the field, the explosiveness as a closer. I mean, the dude is different when it comes to that physicality and explosiveness. And, you know, just seeing him close gaps, it's, it's insane. I mean, he's got turbo jets on his shoes right so you know you want to have that kind of talent on the field and the versatility that comes with that that strength that frame density and that burst it's very appealing right so i think you know be patient with him let him take a few lumps early on uh, but also know you can play him in a bunch of different roles you can play him rushing off the edge if you want him to as an extra blitzer right i mean there's so many different ways that you can harness that aggression and that explosiveness i think it's fun and i think you you take the lumps early on and know that he needs that acclimation to become the player he can be 
Ian, let me ask you about another Eagles draft pick this year that Mark and I discussed earlier that everybody in Philadelphia is discussing these days. And that would be their sixth round pick, Tanner McKee, who has at least in part joined the conversation of potential backup quarterback Jalen Hurts because Marcus Mariota has stunk this preseason. Now, I was a big Tanner McKee guy before the season started. I thought he had a chance to be even a, uh, a day one pick, if not a day two pick. He righteously fell to the sixth round because he didn't have much of a season last year. And yeah, I'm up till two o'clock in the morning because I got a late night CBS show on Saturday. So I did watch Stanford football. Speaking of stink, that was the way most of his teammates played last year. They were a bad football team. Uh, so uh, I, I'm not putting all the blame on Stanford's weak offense last year at McKee's feet. But he did have a very good year, and that's why he was a sixth-round pick. Tanner McKee, his next-to-last college year, his last college year, his workouts at the Senior Bowl and uh, or the Combine and the like. Eagles have their backup quarterback in Tanner McKee, as per your scouting of him. They might. They might. That's the, that's the key. And I think one factor that's very important that you mentioned is that the long-term uncertainty at the other quarterback spots, like Marcus Mariota, contract does not span very far past this season. If I remember correctly, maybe it expires in 2020. I got to oh, double check. But I think I think he's yeah he's due to expire sooner than Ian Book as well, right? You're not super confident with that, right? They drafted Tanner McKee for a reason in round six because you get that contractual security for four seasons. And I think that, you know, a big reason – a big diluting factor for his stock in, in college football was that Stanford long mesh offense, not a super translatable offense, right? So I think there was going to be an adjustment period for him. But I've been very impressed with what I've seen in preseason. I think, you know, one of my biggest knocks on McKee coming out with his mechanics, being a six foot six guy at quarterback, naturally, you know, the footwork is going to be a little unstable at times. And I think we saw that in college where, you know, he wasn't always get, able to get into his proper base before throwing some shoulder misalignment that came from that too, right? So that was the biggest concern for me, the mechanics, the accuracy. But so far in preseason, I, it looks like he's improved at that. And it looks like he's maintained that shoulder alignment, both in plat in structure and out of structure as well he's not a super dynamic athlete but he can at least get out on the move he's got very good arm strength i think that was one thing that really stood out as a plus on his profile you know he's not the most mobile guy but he can rip it he can generate velocity so the biggest thing was getting out of that stanford offense getting into a pro style offense like the eagles and showing that he can anticipate that he can you know place the ball effectively and the situational placement has been very impressive too i mean some of those back shoulder throws that he's made so far this mm -hmm. preseason you know i i really think you know, it, it, he had to get that opportunity to grow and develop and refine his mechanics. But now that he's done that, I mean, the early returns are promising. And obviously, you know, whether it's good or bad, you don't want to jump to conclusions on rookies. It's still very early in his career. Uh, and he hasn't played live reps in season yet. Hopefully he doesn't have to. Hopefully Jalen Hurts stays healthy. But, you know, I, I do. I am at least reassured by what I've seen early on. I think he's got the arm strength to be that backup. And if he keeps developing and improving those mechanics, I think you've got your long-term safety blanket. I really do. I think it's possible. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you, I just asked you about Sidney Brown, a, a third-round pick. I want to ask you about another third-round pick and Tyler Steen uh, to keep it on the offensive side of things here. Obviously, he's a left tackle. He's got some experience at right tackle. He's got experience as freshman year, I think, as a defensive end. But now he's being asked, all those are on the outside. He's never had to play in the phone booth before. Now he's getting experience to play in the phone booth at the right guard spot for the Eagles. For all intents and purposes, Cam Jurgens is going to be the starting right guard. But Tyler Steen's going to be asked to be one of them Swiss Army knives of the Eagles offensive line that we've seen guys like Jack Driscoll be in the past uh, to a point, Isaac Sayamalu to that point in the past. 
So when you look at him, Andre Dillard, another guy they asked to uh, be a Swiss Army knife, but he had some experience on the interior uh, from his days in Washington. So when you look at a guy like Tyler Steen, what gives you confidence, if any, as to whether or not he can be that versatile piece of the Eagles offensive line this season? Yeah, I think he absolutely can. I was a little higher on Steen. I think I had him in the day two range, and that's where he went. But I, I was I was high on him throughout the process. I think, you know, playing at Alabama obviously elevates your, your profile a little bit. But he proved that he could take those guys on. I mean, at Vanderbilt, too, before, you know, he can play left or right, and he showed that in college. But, you know, beyond those things, right, I think he has a really good frame, around 6'5", 320, right? The arm, arms aren't super long, but I think they're long enough, and that's one reason that maybe they're shading him inside. But he's got that versatility, and I think that comes from – physical i mean he's a good athlete he's got that lateral mobility uh very good hip flexibility and hinge freedom when he's responding to stunts right and adjusting in the phone booth um he's very good at using one thing that i really liked from him when i watched him in college uh he's got very good control to lean so he can play you know a little bit past the center of gravity to expand his blocking range and get his hands on you know he's got good force in his hands good knockback power and we've seen that he can respond to stunts he can he's got that processing ability that awareness in in the interior line. Uh, so I think for him, it's just going to be, you know, adjusting to the spacing, right? Because there were a few reps against the Browns where maybe he made contact and then wasn't able to recalibrate his base before making the next move. And then defenders were able to get a step on him because he kind of got caught with flat feet, right? So you want to maintain that synergy. And that's a little bit more difficult to do at the NFL level when the pacing is faster, right? It's going to be adjustment for all rookies at every spot, but especially for Steen at a new position, right? There's going to be some time for him to grow and kind of get used to that but i do think if you're looking at the physical tools and the you know the necessary awareness the necessary mental acuity right i think he's got everything that you need to be that swiss army knife and honestly right you know i was very impressed with his patience and discipline as a pass protector in college so if you need him to get out to tackle in a pinch right i think he can do that too right i think the eagles have shown that they can coach up talent and to me tyler steen has the physical tools to to you know kind of build up within that role all right, Ian, your website, Pro Football Network, does a great job of covering the NFL stem to stern, breaking news right up to the day, projections and the like. You're their draft guy. So after the draft and the 48 hours afterwards where it's chaos, uh, free agent signing and the like, at some point you're supposed to go, all right, turn the page. We got to look forward to next year. Is that easy to do, or do you get so invested in these kids, the time that you spend down breaking their tapes and writing articles and going on shows like Birds 365 to talk a guy up or question a guy prior to the draft, how difficult is it to just move on and go, all right, well, I got to now look at the next class, or do you do a lot of follow-up work and go, yeah, I'm going to either punch, beat my chest and go, told you about this kid, I told you you're going to be a star and he's a star, you got to go. Like you did previously here on the show. We're not that good. This is too tough to do. Don't ever say that again. Don't ever say that again. Uh, How much do you got to do that uh, with the guys after they've been drafted through camps? You'll certainly do it more once the season starts. How much of that is uh, a labor of love for you? Yeah, no, I will say I'm still figuring out, finding it myself. I've only been doing this full time for a couple of years now, but I think, um, you know, you find it as you go. And I think you need you need to strike a balance. Right. Um, You definitely want to you don't want to turn the page right away because every draft pick, you know, creates a new situation, a new outcome for each prospect. And it's so fascinating to watch that over time. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to be caught off guard because I think it's kind of the conversation we were having with Reed Blankenship every single cycle there are hundreds of prospects that you need to keep an eye on because they could be drafted right so you don't want to be caught off guard i think heading into this past draft weekend last april 
I already had a watch list for the 2024 class that had like 400 or 500 guys. So 400 you know, or 500. You want to make sure you want to make sure you know if you see a name that catches your eye and he's not eligible, just write him down, right? Because you might regret it later on. You want to make sure that you have those guys in tap, and then once you have time to decompress a little bit, that's when you start to sift through the ranks and really find all right, who's a guy that might deserve a little more attention early on, right? So you know it's one of those things where you want to cast a wide net. You want to prepare yourself to do the more microscopic work later on. And I think we're at a point now entering the season where, you know, we've done yeah, and Dalton and, and Ian Valentino, the other guys at PFN scouting department have done a great job. We've gotten conference previews done for each team. Right. So, you know, a lot of talent on tap. And I think it's preparing yourself. It's doing the proper incremental work along the way. But then also, right, you know, I, I prioritize the college and NFL draft stuff. But, hey, it's fun to look at the NFL and see where our favorite prospects are doing now, because this yeah. particular class from this past year, uh, was very talented, and I'm excited to see what they do. Um, 500 guys. Are you a flashcard guy? Do you do slideshows on uh, PowerPoint? How do you how do you do your studying? I'm a spreadsheets guy, you know, oh, for, spreadsheet. for, sure. for documentation, right? So I think, <laughs> you know, at the very, at the base level, right, I just write the name down. That's, you know, I keep it simple early on, right? You don't want to overwhelm yourself too much because there is so much ground to cover. So I just get the spreadsheet with the positions and I put names in there. And then, you know, once we get to the scouting, that's when I get my individual scouting pages for prospects. So I break gotcha. it down by trait for, per position just get the notes in the valuations and we go from there. So you got to do a piecemeal. Otherwise it's just going to become a, a chaotic mess. Right. But it's fun every year. It's fun every year. Sure. As sure. A, sure. As a quote unquote scout, I like that term for you. Um, <laughs> how do you factor in the mess that is going to be college football this year with the whole conference jumping and realignment and their last year, the pac 10 went to the pac 12. It's now the pac four. It's a confusing B annoying. How do you just narrow focus and go, yeah, I just need to look at a player. I just need to evaluate the talent. I have to be able to put all this other junk aside as to the future of the or the university and where they're going to go, whatever else. Is that easy for you? Do you have to allow that into your evaluation or you can just remove it all from your thought process? It'll be easy this year, for sure. I think when the changes start to set in next year, that's when it may be a little more challenging. But, you know, for me, you basically said it. I just, you know, tunnel vision. Like, what's your realm? What do you focus on? And that's the NFL draft component. That's the evaluation component, right? Now, conference alignment and conference prestige and things like that, they can have an effect on recruitment, transfers, things like that, right? So maybe it'll have an effect later on for some of these teams who are changing allegiances, right? So you got to be aware of that. But at the end of the day, I'm focused on what's on the film, right? So whatever that is, like we mentioned with Blankenship, like we mentioned a few times now, a good player can come from every, anywhere, right? So you need to be reticent of those changes that are happening, but also have an open mind because, you know, if you cast too short a net, you're going to miss something. Gotcha. Uh, and I am, I like college football. I don't study it so late in the season like some other people might, but I imagine people like you that spend so much time on the draft and college football in general. I, I would imagine that you might watch a guy like Nicobe Dean, or you might watch Jalen Carter or Sidney Brown, or you might watch Nolan Smith, and you might be watching players like that and thinking, why the hell are they using him like this? He's better at that. I, 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 would, I imagine people like yourself in your line of work are doing that with a number of players around the NFL. Like, why aren't you using him where he's at his best? So I'll ask you this question in that context. If you're standing next to Sean Desai uh, and he's trying to figure out a better way to use Jalen Carter or Nolan Smith, and you've talked about both those guys very eloquently a, a minute ago, but N'Kobe Dean in particular, the Eagles are known for not blitzing. We mentioned the thing about now they don't want to give up big plays, obviously. Don't, but no N'Kobe Dean was 
No yeah, chunk plays. No chunk plays. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the Kobe Dean, it's one of the things that he does so well. So would you be next to Sean Desai saying, like, maybe a little bit more, send him a little bit more than a Jonathan Gannon guy would send him? Do you, do you try to play to a player's strengths like that? And would you advise the Eagles, if you were asked, to deploy N'Kobe Dean in a slightly, not crazy at a Jim Johnson level, would you ask them to deploy N'Kobe Dean in a more aggressive manner? Yeah, yeah. I for me, it's situational, right? Like you don't want to be, and, and you mentioned it, right? You mentioned it—a measured change, like not go crazy with it, right? But situationally, it is something that he was very good at at Georgia. You know, being very aggressive, shooting those gaps, and the explosiveness and the speed obviously helps, right? He's got that, but then he's also a rocked-up dude. I mean, he's like you know six foot at most, but then like two thirty pounds, right? It's a lot of muscle coming at you, right? So you got to be careful, especially with the ability to get under offensive linemen, right? Because they're so much taller. You get under him, you drive that power he's got that ability as well and then he can sink around you too so you know a lot of viable components for a pass rushing element right but the, at the same time too you know with the second level you want guys who are instinctive can play in space you know can pass off guys in coverage too and he's got that ability I was a big fan of Dean as a prospect and I think you know now that he's healthy he'll get to show that but you mentioned it I do want I, I would want to use him as a pass rusher a little bit more like I said for me it's situational and I think that goes into the more microscopic element of opponent scouting week in and week out right something that we don't always have an inside view of but let's say there's a center who's a little late on his exchanges sometimes when it comes to delayed blitzes maybe you're looking at that and like all right Nicobe you're going to delay here and then you're going to rush in because this guy can be caught off guard with that right so you know I think it's scouting your opponents and and kind of identifying their tendencies and seeing if Dean's blitzing ability can play into that, right? If it's a center who's very good or, or an interior line that's got very good chemistry, very good vision, maybe you let Dean play in coverage a little bit more, or maybe you kind of line him up on the outside, right? There's so many different ways to use him with the explosiveness and speed he has, but you got to make sure you're integrating it with that opponent scouting. But to that end, yes, I would try and use him in that light when you can because he is very good at it. All right. As we sit here on August 22nd, we're only four days away from the first college football game being played. And I will go so far as to suggest the guy whose name will be called out first in this year's upcoming draft is playing on Saturday. USC is playing. That Caleb Williams guy is going to get his first game coming up on Saturday. He's number one on my big board. That's about as far as I've gotten, the number <laughs> one player. Uh, you have probably gone a little bit further. How many names do you have on the ever-changing and no one begrudges you this. It's the way you should be doing it. The ever-changing Ian Cummins big board for the 2024 draft. Yeah, so right now I've got almost 100 guys 100. Wow. with three, preliminary Almost three grades. rounds deep, huh? You exactly. slacker. 32 honestly, teams. Honestly, you I'm, get I'm, over 100. I'm disappointed, man. I wanted to, but I, so I was doing scouting for the top guys in the class, right? Because that's where you want to start. You want to get that established. But then um, we went into the conference previews. So that's kind of going through teams, you know, every team in, in my conferences. So Big Ten, ACC, I had a few group of five conferences as well, where you just kind of go down the roster, try and get as much exposure to guys as you can and and pick out who's worth following. Right. So that was a lot more intricate of a process for me so i wasn't able to grade some players you know definitively but i think it was a really valuable experience because teams like virginia and georgia tech like those are teams that aren't on the forefront of the power five landscape but i can sit here and tell you you know hey sylvain you you enjoy i think is how you pronounce it edge rusher for where, where georgia you gotta tech. repeat that one 
I can't even. I got to practice the pronunciation for him. I'll, I'll do an easier one. Cohen King from Virginia or Chico <laughs> Bennett, right? Uh, th- these are guys that aren't on the mainstream, but you know, you look at, you watch the film independently, and you're like, oh, there's something there. I want to keep an eye on that, right? So, you know, it was a more intensive process from a numerical standpoint. Wasn't able to, able to grade as many guys, but you know, feel pretty good about the balance that we've struck with, you know, having an, that understanding of the top of the board while also kind of having an understanding of how deep this class can be. And I think that's something that's very valuable when, when you're preparing to enter the season, because as you said, you know, once it hits, it goes fast. It's hard to catch your breath. So you got to be ready for it. All right. Let me ask you one more Eagle question. Then we'll let you run. And we thank you for coming on. Um, very Eagle centric since we are birds 365. Hmm. We're expecting Eagles to be drafted in the thirties again this year. Obnoxiously, optimistically so, but that's us. Uh, But they have a bunch of draft compensation. They got uh, picks that they're going to get for free agents. They lost. So they're going to have ammo if they want to move up. So let's say they can't get into the top 10, but anywhere from 10 to 20, 10 to 25, is there a position where the Eagles could, if they added their 30th with another pick and they get up in the first round, if they have a really specific positional need, is there a position in this draft where you go, Jody, you may be getting the third linebacker, safety, wide receiver, um, an offensive lineman, surely the Eagles could go offensive lineman, guard, tackle, whatever, Lane Johnson getting old. Is there a, a position in this uh, draft this upcoming year that you would call right now really deep at a position where the Eagles could get a, a, a potential pro bowler with a mid round first round pick with a mid first round pick. There's a few, honestly, I think offensive tackle, like you mentioned, not just tackles, but natural right tackles as well. JC Latham from Alabama is one. I have him as a blue chip player. I, I don't know if he makes it out of the top 10, if he has a good year. So I'm not sure if he's a guy, but Kingsley Suamataya from BYU is a very good player. Very explosive, uh, six foot six, three twenty, super physical guy. So I could see, I could see him being a player who's a little raw right now, but the Eagles could take him and turn him into his max, into his, you know, his ultimate uh, self, right? Because I think they're very good at working with talent like that. So right tackle, offensive tackle is definitely one. I look at corner. I think um, Kool-Aid McKinstry is my top guy. But beyond him, you've got guys like Kalen King from Penn State, super physical, twitchy. Uh, Cooper DeJean from Iowa, very fast guy. Uh, he's a freak athlete at six foot one, two ten. very good at run support, but then also a ball hawk who had five interceptions last year. Uh, wide receiver, Malik Neighbors from LSU, if you need a speed guy, right? With Quez Watkins, I believe, entering a contract year, uh, you could go with Neighbors and add that to the slot, right? So I think, you know, wide receiver, tackle, corner, those are a few that come to mind for me, but I think there's a lot of talent across the board. Uh, for you if you're if you're if you're looking for but those premier positions especially offensive tackle I think if you need a guy with that kind of talent uh, the mid first round there's going to be options there you're making Howie Roseman smile because he loves to go into the (laughs) trenches and uh, graduating from BYU nice Uh, getting your learning at Stoutland University even better for a potential NFL career Uh, so Ian great stuff we appreciate it whenever you come on by the next time we get you on, we're going to expect that big board to be at least 125. You got to get it up from 100. Big I will. I promise. I will. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. We will get you up again. That is Ian Cummings from uh, ProFootballNetwork.com. Uh, very good draft guy who I thought would be fun to have on this week since a whole bunch oh, yeah. of guys are going to find out their f- football future. Some very uh, optimistic, 
some pessimistic that uh, it's going to be tough pill to swallow for some of these guys. But we'll see what the Eagles do. They got the joint practice coming up with the Colts. Johnny Mack will be back tomorrow. Mark Fizet and I will be back to put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 Heading down the shore Have a ball once more Here, imaginations run wild And time stands still Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore All on one five-mile island So leave the old you behind And get lost in the woods Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Appreciate the job that Mark Farger that has done phone in for Johnny Mac today here on Mac and Mark on Birds 365. <laughs> uh, you like Santa? Get your T-shirts. Get your T-shirts. Get, get those there. We can do some swag. <laughs> uh, that, that wouldn't be a problem. Jody, um, I have some no news news for you real quick. It concerns your New York Jets. Uh-oh. What the hell you got? <laughs> Just want to bask in this for a second. Okay, no. Um. Kyle Brandt had Jason Peters, I assume, on his podcast. And he asked Jason Peters, uh, hey, how about the Jets? Would you come back and play for the Jets? And according to Jason Peters, follow, 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 
file this under no duh. But um, Jason Peter says, oh, if they if they call, I'm there. I'm going to show up and I'm going to show out for the New York Jets. Uh, 41 years old, Jason Peters putting his name in the hat for the New York Jets. Thanks to Kyle Brand, who I'm a big fan of. I think he does a great <laughs> job. And I'm here's what I'm looking forward to in, shoot, about 14 days from now. Do you watch Good Morning Football? You're on in the morning. You're sometimes busy. Do you watch yeah. any Good Morning Football? I, I catch it from time to time. Tuesday is Angry Runs, where he does the highlights of the three best running plays, where a running back, and it doesn't have to be a running back, mostly is, but it could be a wide reason, just stiff arms a guy, runs over a guy, crash test dummies a guy. It's like the best segment they do all week long, and it's just phenomenal. And they give him a scepter, and then they send the scepter to the town, and he takes a picture with it, and he comes, they send back to the show to pick it. It's very well produced television. Yeah. It's great. So I'm a uh, fan of, of his. It means nothing. Sorry, Kyle. You have no pull with the New York Jets. You're a New York guy, <laughs> and you like talk about the Jets, but – the Jets aren't signing Jason Peters. Nobody's signing Jason Peters. Sorry, Jason Peters. You're going to the Hall of Fame someday, hopefully as a Philadelphia Eagle, even though they don't wear their helmet on their plaque. So it just is whatever it says on the uh, screen underneath. Uh, no, he's done. He is just done. Don't do that to me. Do not have him signing with the New York Jets. Uh, also, Quez Watkins is practicing today. Is he? Quez is out there. That's a good sign. They yeah, got the pads a on. While. Uh-huh. All right, that, that's a good sign. All right, uh, Mark Frazetta, I want to ask you one more specific question before we get out of here. NFC, we kind of touched on it earlier. NFC standings last year, just uh, entire standing, take the division away. Philadelphia Eagles, 14 and 3. San Francisco, 49ers, 13 and 4. Minnesota Vikings, 13 and 4. Good luck winning 13 games again this year, Minnesota. How can you win 13 games and have a negative plus minus? <laughs> They were actually outscored last year. They gave up more points than they scored, yet somehow they won 13 games. It defines logic. Mm. And then the Dallas Cowboys at 12 and 5. If I said it right there, 12 and 5, uh, 12 is an under over number. I know that I'm putting a push in there as a possibility. If I said Cowboys 12 wins, you going under or over? That's so close to the line. Um, if the line is 12, I'm going to say I go to 12 and over. a half. You're going under. Yeah. If I, if I go to 11 and a half, you're going over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say right on 12 is probably the number. Like that is the number. If I have to choose over under, I'd probably choose under because I think this is going to be one of those situations where Mike McCarthy is a much better I love that term CEO type head coach when he delegates as opposed to actually calling the plays himself. And I think ultimately that's going to be a problem for Dak Prescott where I don't think it'd be a, a, a ridiculous problem where they either don't make the playoffs or they don't, you know, they, they, they just all of a sudden pack it in. I don't think that's going to happen, but I just don't see it leading to overwhelming success for the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm going to go ahead and say that it's right around 12 would okay, be the number. That's, that's what I figured. I'm leaning toward an under, but uh, that's the beauty of this. We've got a couple more weeks before the season gets underway. And I've said this here on bird three, six, five, and saying on my other broadcast outlets, I hope you feel the same that I do. Here's the one thing I'm rooting for. And I know we got some Eagle fans who just uh, don't give a damn about anything else other than Eagles wins. I'm a football fan too. The two games between the Cowboys and Eagles this year, I want Jalen Hurts against Dak Prescott. 
Last oh, year, yeah. we didn't have it either game. The Eagles beat the Cowboys with Dak being injured, and the Cowboys beat the Eagles with Jalen Hurts on the sideline. I want those two guys showing off, facing down both games this year, and we can put some of the debate behind us as to whether Dak Prescott really owns the Eagles. He has beat them a lot. You got to you got to take that, Eagle fans. Mm. I want Dak healthy for both games this year. No, I absolutely. You want that, uh, for lack of a better term, clash of the Titans there in, uh, in in the NFC East. You want to see them at their best, and you want to be at the best, and you want to beat the brakes off them when they're at their best. Absolutely. Clash of the Titans. Not a bad movie. I would suggest you watch it, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for filling in for Johnny Mac when you've done it this year. I think John's done missing shows for the practice or whatever. If not, I hope you're the guy. I hope you jump in with me. <laughs> Whenever I, uh, we being Jacob, uh, YouTube channel need you. Thank you very much for doing it today. Always my pleasure to catch up with you in general, Jody. And uh, don't miss me tonight. Phillies uh, fightings post game after the Phillies Giants game two of their series. And anytime you need me to jump into the Farsi show, you know, I will repay the favor that you paid to us. <laughs> filling in for Johnny Mac these days. Thank you, brother. Uh, thanks to Mark Farzetta. Thanks to both Ian Cummings and Mike Tanya popping on as guests. Thanks to you guys for streaming in. And Mac and Mac, yeah, that's right. McMullen will be back here tomorrow. We'll put him under the Klieg lights to see how the practice went against the Colts. We'll be back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.